Good morning, church. Whoop, whoop. It's so good to be here. I think I've probably shared it with you guys before. I'm not quite sure if it was uh, a while back or on a Thursday night midweek study where I've, I've shared about a silly game that I, I've played. I've often played. I, I, I've, well, I've got to let you know, I, have, I haven't played it in a while in the sense that um, I normally play it with like the youth group and some of the young adults. I don't often play it with regular adults big people. Um, It's called Would You Rather? Would You Rather? It's a stupid game. It's a silly game, but it's a great icebreaker of a game because if you want to get people involved in senseless activity, Would You Rather is a good game because, I mean, you can get pretty silly. Um, and, And one of the things that I often like when I have youth kids around, it's like, I asked them, would you rather be, like, eaten by a bear or a shark? <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, some of you adults is like, that's stupid. I know, that's why I don't play it with you guys that often. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a great time to kind of, like, just get the kids, like, oh, well, wait a minute. A bear. It's like, why? Why a bear, you know? And, and, and again, it, it, it can get pretty silly. You can get on some, like, pretty crazy topics after like what would you rather but you can also get a little bit more practical you know a a little bit more you know to to get to know people's likes and dislikes would you rather mexican food or italian food type stuff i know you italians is like what there's nothing like italian food and it's like don't get all crazy on me um but but again you know it's 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 something that you can try when there is a lull in the conversation, you know, for you adults especially, you know, at work, sitting around the table or whatever, and there's a lull, and it's like, hey, what would you rather, man, get eaten by a bear or a shark? <laughs> you know, and people are like, what the, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and, and for, for me, <clears throat> just so you know, I would rather get eaten by a bear, because I'm, go- I'm not good in water anyways. I'd probably die in water anyways, and then I'd just be shark bait. But I would much rather be eaten by a bear, just so you know that. Um, that's, that's what I come up with. And I bring this up, I bring this up because would you rather, playing the game with you, would you rather hear your sins brought up on a regular basis, or would you rather hear about the finished work of Jesus Christ? You know, again, think about it. I know some of you guys are going, well, it's not that cut and dry. See, it's like, so you might need some time to think about it, right? The obvious choice would be, well, I'd rather hear about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. I don't like people bringing up my sins. And so I I bring that up because, again, sometimes it's like, well, what, what do you like or what would you rather? And again, the second choice would be the obvious one. And again, in light of that, would you rather live with the Old Covenant or the New Covenant? Again, we've kind of been studying all this for a while. Would you rather live in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant? Would you rather live under the law or under grace? Would you rather 
Have your sins covered or have your sins washed away? Would you rather live in guilt or not in guilt? Would you rather not be forgiven or be forgiven? See, when we start thinking about those kinds of issues, you know, again, we're, we're going to pick the second one. I, I, I placed them like that so I don't get all confused up here. But you would pick the second one. And, and, and when we start thinking and, and talking about topics or those kinds of issues, you could play this game by yourself. You can truly play this game by yourself because oftentimes you need to ask yourself questions like that or play that game. What would I rather? You know, you wake up in a foul mood and and you have a choice to make and you can say, would I rather be in a bad mood all day long or would I rather seek Jesus this morning and have a good day? Would I rather hold things against people today or would I rather just like let it go? And so you can play this game by yourself as well. And I think we should ask those types of questions on a, on a regular basis. And I think that the, he, that the writer of Hebrews has kind of, in a sense, played this similar game with his readers. Although it's not a game. He's been telling them, which would you rather, go back to Judaism or continue following Jesus? Would you rather get locked up back into the law that you came out of or continue walking in the grace of God? And so he's kind of given them that choice about would you rather follow after the earthly priesthood or after the heavenly priesthood? And so he's kind of been laying this out, you know. Would you rather move forward or would you rather go backwards? You know, and and it's those types of things that, that he has basically been been talking about throughout the book of Hebrews, especially this middle portion that we've been in. And so the writer sums up the last few chapters that we've been covering in the first 18 verses of Hebrews 10. He kind of sums it all up. Before he moves on to the next topic, beginning in in verse 19 of this uh, chapter, Before he moves on with the topic of the life of faith, you see, he's been trying to have them grab onto the fact and accept what they can't see. He's been trying to encourage them that even though they had the temple there and and they were dealing with... Judaism still, he wanted them to look beyond that and see Jesus. He wanted them to walk by faith. But he had to give them this either or, this would you rather do these, before you move into a life of faith, what would you rather? And we are to do the same. Some of you as I was playing that silly game with you and asking you these questions, some of you answered the would you rather perfectly. You answered it correctly. You answered what was right. But you're not living it. You would rather be forgiven, but you're living your life as if you're not forgiven. 
You, you, you'd rather live guilt-free, but you are so guilty all the time, and you walk in that continually. And it's like, what would you rather? It's like, well, I'd rather live guilt-free. Then why are you walking in guilt continually in your life? I can guarantee you that if you are having a hard time in your Christian life forgiving people, forgiving yourself, walking in guilt, I could guarantee you that you are having a hard time in your faith today. You are having a hard time walking with the Lord just because you're walking in condemnation constantly. And Jesus didn't want you to walk in condemnation. Hebrews 10, verse 1, we'll cover the first 18 verses. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had, to, have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices of of sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made a his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before this is the covenant that I will make with them After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, 
there is no longer an offering for sin. Before we get started, just, just quiet your heart right now and just pray. Just you and the Lord. That God will prepare your heart and pray for me. Going to verse 1. And before we start, guys, I, I've been so excited to share this message with you. My heart has been hurting a lot <laughs> before I share this with you. And I can, maybe, again, I've shared with you guys, man, first service, I'm a mess. Usually I'm a pretty big man here, second service. I don't cry as much as first. And so hopefully I can get through this. But my heart has been hurting because of what I feel that the Lord has been revealing to me through these scriptures for you. And that's why I pray, Lord, prepare their hearts, prepare my heart, so that I can share this with, with conviction, with boldness, not holding back what I feel like the Holy Spirit has been laying on my heart for you. So I've been praying for you that God would prepare you for this. And so he says in verse 1, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come. You know, for the last, gosh, for the last couple months, it seems like, or last few studies, we have been talking a lot about copies, replicas, and types. So much so that over the last few weeks, you probably have gotten to the point that what you see physically, you're probably thinking, that's not real, that's not real. You know, because hopefully your mind is getting to a place or your heart is getting to the place that, that you are learning how to walk by faith and not by sight. Because that is what the writer has been trying to get across to the people that, that because they could see all the sacrifices going on, they could see the temple. He's saying it's not about those issues anymore. It's about what you can't see, Jesus. Now, there's a physical element to that, that you still have to be careful when you cross, cross the street to look both ways, because that car is very much real. So even though you're trying to see with your spiritual eyes, there's still a physical element to all of this, okay, people? So I don't want you guys getting hit by a car or anything. But he tells us that the law was a shadow of the good things to come. And I shared a couple of studies ago, whenever it was, that the law was the big index finger that was, that was pointing to the real thing. Not Coca-Cola, but the real thing, Jesus. It could only take you so much the law could do. That's it. It was limited. It could bring you to a certain point and say, you, show you that you are a sinner and I can't save you. That's what the law was all about. And it pointed to Jesus and said, there is your Savior. So it was only a shadow. It was only a shadow. The fact that, that the law was a shadow could not make anything perfect. Nothing. If you tried to live by the law, you would always have this guilt of sin. And so it, because it could not unlock the door for perfection and completeness, it was always insufficient. It, it could only be the pointer finger. It could not, anybody that approached with sacrifices with the law, they still walked away with this consciousness of sin, this guilt of sin. Just like the shadow of a key cannot unlock the door. 
And you could try all day long with the shadow, with the sun moving. It's like trying to unlock the door with the shadow. It's like you know it will never happen. You have to put the real key in the lock and open it. Because the law was only a shadow of the real. And you need the real to unlock the door. If the shadow could unlock the door for perfection and completeness, then these worshipers would have felt clean. They would not continue walking in their guilt. As it says that, that they, they, just, they wouldn't have no more consciousness of sin. They would not have any more guilt of sin if the shadow was perfect and it wasn't. You see, he's he's talking about the Day of Atonement here. When he says in verse 3, But in these sacrifices there is always, um, there is a reminder of sins every year. The Day of Atonement reminded the people year after year that their sins were still there. It wasn't so much a remission of sin, a forgiveness of sin, as it was a reminder of sin. Every time they, they, they came together, they were reminded once again, the sin of our lives is still upon us because they never felt free. It was on that day of, uh, of, of, the day of atonement where the high priest, they, he would go and sacrifice a bull for himself and then he would sacrifice a goat for the rest of the people. And then there was another goat, the scapegoat. And it was that goat that the, the, the priest would lay his hands on it and confess the sins of the people and then shoo it away into the wilderness. And the people stood back going, there goes our sins. And they'd walk away and say, but I still feel guilty. I still feel guilty. I feel bad for that scapegoat. It's like, wow, what did I do? How come I got all the sins on me and I have to be shooed away to die? Well, death brings, or sin brings death. Sorry, goatee. <laughs> Gotta go. The, the, this whole thing is like if you decided to go to a bank and get a loan to start a small business. And you wanted a certain amount of money and you said, at, 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 by a year this time, I will pay all this money back. And so you, you sign the contract and you come to a year and business has been horrible. You have made no money. As a matter of fact, you need some more money. And you come and you tell the, the loan officer, I need more money. I need a new contract. And they would say, okay, well, how much more? And they'd give you so much more. And they'd write up a new contract. And then they'd put that old contract or that new contract on top of the old contract. And year after year, you're still not making money. And you're needing more money. And you become more and more in debt. And this is what the Day of Atonement did. It's like walking in. Every time you, you wrote a new contract, you've seen this pile of old contracts that you could not pay. And they just stacked up. And that's what the Day of Atonement did. It just reminded people that, man, for all these years, we are still not forgiven. We still have a debt that we can't pay. That's what was going on here. It just continued to go like that. And it just continued to stack up. And I'm thinking, man, what a way to live, right? What a way to live. 
knowing that you can never really be forgiven of your debt. And it just piles up. It just stacks up. Again, would you rather live in the Old Covenant or in the New Covenant? (laughs) Would you rather be guilty or guilt-free? Would you rather be not forgiven or forgiven? Because living in that way, the way that, that we're getting pictured here about the Day of Atonement and stuff, it's like that is no way to live. Because you never, you're just never clean. And so from verses 5 through, through 10 there, we see that in these verses is the solution. The solution for that loan debt that can't be paid by us. That loan debt that keeps on piling up, that keeps on getting thicker and thicker, that, that becomes more and more insurmountable. Here in these verses, we have the solution. Even though the law required sacrifices and offerings, and God accepted them, they were for a time. God knew that He was sending a solution one day that would pay the debt, and, and He would get rid of all the contracts. <laughs> he would get rid of all the sacrifices and all the offerings. It's like they're, they're not needed anymore. That's, that, that's what God was doing. He, he, he knew that in the Old Testament, it served its purpose until the time of Jesus. And when He came, He would like wipe it all away and He would say, it is not required anymore. Offerings, sins, I mean, uh, uh, sacrifices, not required anymore. And again, this is what the readers keep on seeing because they're seeing the, the, the Judaizers, or not the, Judea, the, 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 the Jewish people, continuing doing these sins. And he's saying, take your eyes off of that. That's no longer needed. That's not where, what, what you should be focusing on any longer. Because you see, again, in the OT, he had already brought the solution God did. Jesus claiming that in the volume of the book, it is written of me. That's prophetic for Jesus that throughout the the Old Testament, throughout all of it, it was written about him. And the sacrifices and the offerings were to be a constant reminder of their sins. And that is not what God wanted for them. Because he knew he would send a savior. He would send the solution. And it would be a body. It would be God incarnate Himself paying the price for all that debt that we had incurred, that the people in the Old Testament had incurred. And the gist of Psalm 40, which is the one that's, that's, that's um, quoted here in verses 5 through 7, the gist of, of what He is saying here is that God will provide the sacrifice and the offerings so that man will not have to anymore. God will do it so that you never have to bring up an offering. You never have to bring that up again because He's already paid that offering. He's already taken care of that offering because every time man provided a sacrifice, every time he provided an offering, he, man, remembered his sin. And this is what kind of like has been like just on my heart because God doesn't want man to remember his sin. 
God does not want you to remember what you did yesterday. Some of you, He doesn't want you to remember what you did this morning before you came here. Say you're sorry to your husband and your wife. You know what I'm saying? If, if you said, Lord, I'm sorry for that, I said, done, done. I don't want you to remember it no more. And I know what people are thinking. Oh, come on, it's not that easy. Why not? Why not? If he doesn't want, if he has paid the, the price, if he has set up the offering through the body of Jesus Christ that he has offered up so that you can never or should never remember your sin, why do you keep on remembering it? Why do you keep on bringing it up? Do you think that God has pleasure in that? That, that, that you would mull over the things that you have done? You think he, he, He's satisfied with that when we do that? No, absolutely not. You know why? Because it cost him dearly. It cost him his son. So he's saying, if I'm going to pay for your price, for, for, for all your debt with my son, then don't remember your sin any longer. Let it go. You know what I want you to remember? If you're going to remember anything, remember Jesus. Remember what he did. So every time you, sa- you sin, every time you mess up, and you repent, then you remember what Jesus did for you and not continue in like thinking, oh, I need to punish myself. It's like, why? Why do you feel the need to punish yourself? It's human nature, huh? Especially some of us who come from, from like backgrounds that it's like you have to do penance to be in right standing with God. You know, you think like, oh, I have to like hurt myself. I have to do certain things. Going, God's going, I paid a big price for that. You don't have to remember your sin anymore. You see, Jesus came to do the will of God and to take away that first covenant and establish it with the second. And we need to let Jesus establish that new covenant in our hearts as individuals. You, personally. You have to let... God established that new covenant where we read at the end of this portion here from 15 on, 16, 17, 18, I will remember your sins no more. I will do these things so that you don't have to. So that you can walk in the newness of life. In establishing the second covenant, the new covenant, Jesus has taken away the guilt. He has taken away the guilt of sin. And He doesn't bring it up ever again. I don't know, I, I don't know if I shared this with you guys the other day. Whenever on Sunday morning I woke up early and I'm, I get up and I pray again. It's like, Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord, for, for yesterday, for my sins. And I felt like the Lord just said, you're the one that brought it up. I wasn't going to bring that up ever. Ever. I know, Lord, but I just want to make sure I'm clean before I go preach it up, before I go do it. And he's going, Zeke, it's done. Don't bring it up no more. It's like, I know, Lord, but... You know, and, and, he's, and he's probably like, what is it going to take? I've given him my son. And it's almost like, you're right, Lord. I don't want to remember that. I don't want to remember it. I, I, I just want to remember what Jesus did. I want to go and preach to my brother and sister with a clear conscience. That's why I came before you. It's like, Zeke, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, man. How much sin have you committed already? Come on. It's like, oh, yeah, kind of a lot already, God. 
But when you ask for forgiveness, He heals that. He, he takes that away. And He says, I, I don't bring it up anymore. And He doesn't want you to remember it either. Isn't that amazing? So if He wants to do that with us, to where He says, I don't want you to remember your sin, why do we do that to others? Why do we hold the guilt of sin on the head of other people? If God's saying, hey, I want you not to remember your sin. Okay, Lord, thank you. But man, I still can't stand that one person that has hurt me. And it's like, this is what he's saying. I don't want you to hold that over them either. I want you to forget their sins like I've forgotten their sin. Why would you bring it up? Why would you hold that over their, their head? Why would we repeatedly make people ask for forgiveness from us if, God, if they've already asked God for forgiveness? And yet we hold it over their head. It's like, nope, I still want, I, I can't forget. I, I can't forget what you've done to me. And we hold that over people's heads. Why do we do that? I was talking to a youth pastor the other day. There was a youth workers conference this past week and he's dealing with a situation in this church where there's two leaders that, that have hurt each other. And one of them went to the other guy and says, hey bro, I just want to ask for, for, you, for your forgiveness. And the guy turns to him and says, so you just want me to forget about it like, just like that? You just, he says, I've been holding this for six months. You just want me to forget about it? Just like that, huh? And when he told me that, I thought, oh my gosh. Where in the scriptures does it say, hey man, wait about six months, eight months, a year, then forgive somebody? Where does it say that? But why do we hold that against other people? Because we want them not to live guilt-free. We want them to remember just how much you've hurt me. I'm, going to let, I'm not going to let you forget it. And it's like, dude, can you imagine if God did that to you? I'm not going to let, let you forget what you did or what you thought. It's like, oh, geez. Can you imagine? Like he says, Zeke, man, you've been coming to me with the same stupid thing for 33 years, man. I'm so tired of it. I don't think I could forgive you this time. Oh. Oh, please, Lord. He doesn't want me to remember what I did yesterday. He doesn't want me to remember what I did a while ago. He wants me to move forward. And I think this brother that, that, that did this, he wants to have a reminder of sin upon this brother, just like it told us in verse 3, day after day and year after year, holding it over somebody's head. He is not allowing the second covenant to be established in his heart if, if he did that or if he does that. And, and, and we are not allowing the, the second covenant to be established in our hearts if we hold our, somebody else's sins above their head and don't let them forget it. And I would say you don't quite understand this new covenant deal. You don't understand how much you've been forgiven if you're not forgiving somebody else. 
I think, I think we struggle with that because I, I know some of you, are, you're, you're sitting there going, but you don't know, Zeke, what these people have done to me. It's like, I don't care what they've done to you. I don't care. Jesus is bigger than that. His price was too, too high for you to hold on to that any longer. Because if he doesn't want you to remember your sins, he doesn't want you to remember somebody else's sin. He really doesn't. And guys, what we're going to do at the end of the service, and I don't know how it's going to work in this service like it did in the first service, but a little later, man, because I think, I think God wants to free us up from a lot of the things that we've been carrying. And I, I, I've asked a lot of my leaders to come up here, and they're going to be up here, and we're going to do like a couple songs at the end, and, and it will be your time to just say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done carrying this stuff. I've been, I've been trying to walk with the Lord, and I just can't seem to get ahead. Because you, do you think that God delights in you holding somebody else's sins over their head? You think, you think that brings pleasure to God, that you do that? And maybe it's time for you to just say, I'm done with it. I'm, I, I, I'm done holding over my own head, holding my sins over my own head, because there's many of you today here that can't even forgive what you've done. And God's saying, well, why not? I've forgiven you. You asked me for forgiveness. And so often, man, we just carry that with us. And it stifles our growth. It just, it just holds us back. God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. And in, in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, it says, has, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as the iniquity is as iniquity and idolatry. And sometimes our stubbornness is our God, is our idol. We, we cling on to that instead of letting it go and obeying the Lord and saying, Lord, you want my obedience instead of my, my sacrifice. That's what you want from me. Uh, Psalm 51, 16 and 17. It says, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Proverbs 21, 3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifices. Guys, no more sacrifices. He's already paid the price for that. He wants your obedience. He wants you to walk in the truth of that. That He has died for your sins. Walk in that truth. I, I, I asked you guys earlier, a couple of weeks ago, hey, let's pray for 2013. Let's see what God wants to do in this body right now. Let's see how He wants to move us forward. Good, bad, whatever. We want to move forward. We want to grow. We want to get stretched. All those things. I had somebody send me a little card and it had the scripture, John 17, 17. It says, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Guys, I, I, as, it, as it hit me, that scripture is like, Lord, that's what I want for our body. That's what I want for you, to walk in the truth that you've been forgiven. Walk in that. Live in that. 
go about your day as if you did nothing wrong. If you've asked for forgiveness, walk in that truth. Because He wants to do amazing, abundantly, beyond all that you can ask or think, if we can just walk in those truths. And so I don't know if that's going to be our scripture for the years. Like John 17, 17, man. He has sanctified, or how does it go again? I messed it up. <laughs> I got ahead of it. Say it again. Something like that. It's in the other translation. Sorry about that. I usually go New King James, but whatever. <laughs> Hebrews, Hebrews 10.10 in the Amplified says this, if you can follow along. And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. That is what he wants you to walk in, that you are made holy because of what he did. You have been set apart because of what he did. He offered his body as a sacrifice so that we never, ever, ever, ever have to bring another sacrifice to him in remembrance of our sin. He's done it all. Jesus came to do the will of God. And in that will, he offered his body, like it said in verse 5, so that we can live free of guilt. So that we can live a life that is guilt-free. This is God's will for you, that you live a life guilt-free because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. There's no condemnation. Now we can walk in the newness of life because of that. We, 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 can, we can now hopefully understand what it means to be holy, consecrated, set apart, sanctified. <clears throat> Putting away the old covenant and walking in the new covenant. Putting away the old man and walking in the new man. Only because it's through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ that he had given once and for all. You don't have to do anything anymore. He has done it all. In verses 11 through 14, or through the end of the chapter, or through the end to verse 18, the writer once again gives us a contrast between the, 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 the earthly high priest and the heavenly high priest. And as long as the earthly high priest was on duty in the tabernacle, in the, in the, in the temple, he, he never was able to sit down. It says that he stood all that time because his work was never done. There was always this repeating of offerings and sins or, 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 or sacrifices time and time again. He, he could never get away from the sin because they kept on coming in with the sacrifices and the offerings. He could never rest because of sin. That's the picture that he gives us of the earthly high priest. We have a heavenly high priest who is sitting down, which means that he finished the work on sin or with sin. And when he said on the cross, it is finished, he meant it. He meant it when he says it is finished. The, the completed work 
that he did for the Father. He came to die for the sins of the world, and he did. He came to do the Father's will, and he did it. So would you rather stand or sit? The, the, the picture that we get from the, heaven, from the earthly high priest is that he can never rest because of sin. Oftentimes we are not resting because we're so caught up in our sin and we can't let go of it. And we can't let go of other people's sins. And so we're constantly keeping track. And there's no way that we can sit because we're always standing at all times, never giving it a rest. (laughs) Because we feel that we have to do more or that others have to do more. And then maybe, maybe we will give it a rest. If you ask for forgiveness enough times, maybe I might forgive you. Now you're never going to rest as long as you're standing But we get the picture of the heavenly high priest as sitting, resting in the finished, complete work of sin. And so if I could see Jesus sitting in regards to my sin and that he's not freaking out about my sin anymore because he's washed it away, he's cleansed it, then why do I feel like I can't rest? If If he's at rest, why shouldn't I be at rest? He's not worried about my sin anymore. Now again, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not making light of sin. I'm not saying, hey, go out and sin because he doesn't care. No, perish that thought. When you ask for forgiveness, when you fall, you ask for forgiveness. He's not freaking out about your sin anymore. He's already paid it. So he's resting. And, and, and I kind of get this picture of Jesus... I know he's on a throne, but it kind of reminds me more of a, a recliner. Because it says that, that, that he has his feet up, like on the footstool. And he's probably like with his hands back like this. Like He's not worried. He's not worried whatsoever. He's already defeated sin. He's, he's not freaking out about sin. He's not going, oh my God, Zeke did it again. God, jeez, i got to get back up. No, he doesn't do that. I can guarantee you that if you are remembering your sin and the sins of others, you don't quite understand what it means once and for all. That He has paid for your sin once and for all. You don't understand it. Because if you did, if you understood what that means, then you wouldn't be holding your sins over your head and you would not be holding the sins of somebody else over their head. It cost them too much. You would never be doing that anymore. It's like, again, Zeke, it's easy for you because you never get hurt. Really? This is what it means to grasp, to grasp, grasp the new covenant. He has done it. He has done it all. Grasping that new covenant, if you can grasp it, it guarantees you rest. It guarantees you that you never have to remember your sin. You never have to bring an offering to be good enough. It gives you the guarantee that you can rest, that you can have victory. And I know some of you here would much rather be a victim than a victor. 
and you walk away going, I don't know if I can forgive. Go ahead, hold on to it. Go on. I can guarantee you, you will not be resting. As long as you desire, continue to be desiring to play the victim because people hurt me way too bad and I can't let it go. And it's like, you're never going to be, you're always going to be standing. You're always going to be in motion. You're always going to be on duty where Jesus is kicking back saying, I'm not worried about it no more. I don't want you to be worried about it either. Again, in a little while, my heart has been that you just be freed up this morning. Many of you have been carrying this work for way too long. You've been walking with the Lord for a while, man. You've just been struggling in your Christian walk day after day, year after year, and you can never quite get over that hump because you always like, oh, but I can't because of what? And it's like, let it go. Just let it go, man. From this day forward, if you can grasp this, from this day forward, you can truly forgive yourself. And you can truly forgive other people. Because if you can understand that Jesus paid the whole price so that you never have to remember it once again, you can move forward and you can grow because it would be worth it. Because it costs God a lot. The price that God paid to perfect us, to sanctify us, to set us apart is huge. It was the body of Jesus Christ for us. He took our sins. He finished the job totally. Rest in that. Rest in that. Trust in that. Live in that. Walk in that. I want to read verses 15, 16, 17, and 18 through the Amplified. See if you can follow along. It says in verse 15, And also the Holy Spirit adds this testimony to us in confirmation of this. And having said, this is the agreement, testament, covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my law upon their hearts and I will inscribe them on their minds, on their innermost thoughts and understanding. He then goes on to say, and their sins and their law-breaking I will remember no more. Verse 18, Now where there is an absolute remission, forgiveness, and cancellation of the penalty of these sins and law-breaking, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. You never, ever, ever have to atone for sin. You never have to come day after day, year after year going, here's my sin again, here's my sin again. Again, I understand when you have to repent. I understand that. But you forget about it and you walk forward. You move forward in the newness of life. How different, as we close up here, how different will your life be or would your life be if you didn't hold your sin over your head? How different would you be walking in the, in the Lord? Where would you be at today if you didn't like freak out about the sin that, that's always before you? How different would your life be today if you didn't remember what others did to you? 
How different would your life be if you treated others as if, those who have hurt you, as if they have never hurt you before? You treated them like it's never happened. How different would your life be today? Guys, that's, what, that's been my prayer for you. And again, man, if we want to move forward in this year, and maybe, maybe the Lord has brought us to this moment, and again, we're going to have people up here, and maybe you need to get up out of that chair when it's time for prayer, because I know what you can say, I'll just pray right here, and it's good enough. And you can do that. I'm not going to force anyone to come up here. But we're, we're going to have leaders up here that are willing to pray for you. And I could guarantee you, well, I can't, but if you come up here, nobody's going to judge you. And if they do, how dare they? They should be up here. Because <laughs> they're judging you because, dude, I'm struggling. I could guarantee every one of us is struggling. And so my leaders want to pray for you. And I've, I've, I've instructed my leaders too. If you're going through something right now too, maybe you need to turn to another leader and ask for forgiveness. Or, or you need to walk in that as well. And so again, guys, I don't know how it's going to look, how, how it's going to, I don't want to duplicate what happened first service. I don't want to do that. I just want to throw it out to you that maybe today God's been telling you, you need to get over it. You need to leave it at the altar today. And then you move on in the newness of life. Wouldn't that be amazing? You walk out of here going, dude, this is awesome. Let's pray. Father, even right now, Lord. Lord, I bind the works of the enemy right now, Lord. As I know that he would love to hold their sin, the sins of these people over them. And many of them are ready to jump out of their seats. And yet, they're being held down by their guilt, Lord. And I pray that they would be freed today from that. Lord, I pray that, God, you would just release them. Because you've been wanting to release them from their sin. Lord, you want to release them from how they've held the sin over other people, Lord God. You want, to, you want to free them up, and I pray for them right now. That, Lord, they would take that step of faith and say, I'm tired of this. I pray for my leaders up here, Lord God, that you would give them sensitivity, even in praying for the people that will come to them. That, Lord, they might be able to just minister to them through prayer. Father, I pray for my leaders that, Lord, if there's things that need to be resolved in their heart, that they would as well. And so, Lord, we're just seeking your face this morning. <coughs> Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, who needs you, man, what a better time for them, Lord Jesus, to just surrender their lives to you. And I pray that you would just touch them right now. Father in heaven, please do a work. Move us forward, Lord, that we would leave those things that have hindered us and stifled us back here, never again to remember them again, Lord. And so we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. People, I love you. Please.